Welcome to Corporate Real Estate Podcast brought to you by LeaseSmart.com. I'm Natalie Piles and I'm here with Craig Melby, founder of LeaseSmart. LeaseSmart finds companies the best facilities and gets them the best terms, making their business more profitable and less at risk to future unpredictable circumstances. Thankfully, Craig is going to teach us something about commercial space today. Craig, what do you have for us? Well, hello, everyone. Today, we are doing a Q&A session on all things leases with the American Specialty Toy Retailing Association, members Mary Sisson of Kazoodles in Vancouver, Washington, and Michelle Saar of Off the Wagon in Kent, Ohio. They have put together a list of the top questions their members would like to have answered. This should be a lot of fun. Who would like to start out? I'll start out. I have a question. Uh, as a small business owner, my store completely relies on me, and I find it intimidating signing a lease with a personal guarantee for five years, which seems to be the standard. And I was just wondering, and, and just to back that up, I mean, I, I feel like things can happen in five years. If something happened to me, I don't want to stick my family with this lease obligation. And I was just wondering if there's anything that can be done to um, ensure the best scenario for my family and for my business. Uh, Yes, uh, absolutely so. I have a a lot of comments to make about that question, and it's a really good one that I, I imagine most people want to know more about. And that is that, first of all, you don't have to always sign the lease personally. Uh, landlords will always ask you to sign it personally, and it's to their benefit, but many times we just refuse to, and they still want the tenant anyway. So you don't always have to is the first answer. And part of it has to do with, are you taking the space as is, and is the landlord spending a lot of their money on it or not? And so especially if they're not spending a lot of money, then they don't have as much of a leg to stand on. Uh, in requiring one or requesting one. And the other thing too is how strong is your company? If you if your company has been around a long time and has a lot of assets, then uh, again, you shouldn't have to sign it. I can promise you that no, no public companies or, or big uh, equity-laden companies, uh, no one in the organization signs personally. And uh, in fact, the uh, wealthier the clients that I have, the the less likely they would even dream of doing such a thing. So that would be the first answer is you may not have to and just, just be aware of that. Um, but the second thing is if you do have to sign the lease, then there's still things we can do to minimize your uh, your risk. And again, this is common. We do it all the time. And that would be like with a five-year lease, you could say, all right, well, I'll sign the lease personally but the guarantee expires after 24 months or 36 months or or some time frame. If you're not in default and everything's fine, then the guarantee expires. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can limit the amount of money on the guarantee. So uh, just a fixed number, which is a whole lot better than all the remaining uh, months of rent. Um, that'd be another thing. There's something that's fairly common that the landlords like uh, when we really get into heated arguments about it, and that would be uh, what they call an evergreen uh, guarantee, where um, you're guaranteeing 12 months of the lease. At, at any time, if you default, you owe a year's worth of rent you know, from, from that point and not the full term. So that can help also. And then finally, and you would want to check with your attorney about the laws in your state but uh, in some states, uh, it's my understanding, and I'm not an attorney, but it's my understanding that if your assets are owned jointly with your spouse and both spouses don't sign the guarantee, then you actually have quite a bit of protection because they can't come after your assets if they're, in fact, also owned by uh, someone else. So there's some protection there. And the landlord may ask that both parties sign, but sometimes the spouse is not involved in the business. They don't want to be involved in the business. They're not going to sign the guarantee. And uh, if the landlord wants you as a tenant, then they'll they'll live with it. So those are the most common things we do to minimize the uh, the personal guarantees. Hopefully. Oh, I wish we'd Great. had this conversation before I recently signed a five-year extension to our lease because. I- I asked, um, after Michelle had made a comment about this topic before, I asked our landlord, could we have 
some sort of provision that if something happens to us, our heirs are not stuck with it. And they said, no, that would be like doing a month-to-month lease. No, that there, uh, I, I disagree, and I'll, I'll probably say I'm not an attorney uh, about 10 times during this podcast, uh, <laughs> so I'm not giving legal advice, but as far as the business points of a lease and what I see all day, every day, <clears throat> that is actually pretty unusual. Um, if you've already been there a long time, it just seems like you should be able to get off the, uh, off the lease. Uh, completely. And that's what we would have argued for. And uh, it would not have, you know, like I say, it's to their advantage. If they can easily convince you that you need to sign it, then they'll get you to sign it. But uh, you need to know that it's not necessarily always done by any stretch of of the imagination. Hmm, I wish I'd known that sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry you didn't. Well, if you're looking to sell your business sometime in the near future, What's the best lease scenario? Is it better to have a lease in place that's got pretty good terms? Or is it better to come to the end of your lease and then let the new people? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. That, that's another excellent question. And I'm always shocked by how little um, preparation a business owner might put into that portion of the, uh, of the equation. Um, especially being a retailer, we know that your business is location-based. And we know that the value of your business is a multiple of your income. And we know that your income is based on what's left over after expenses. So, yeah, you definitely want to arrange your lease um, appropriately. And, for instance, if you thought you were going to retire in five years, and I've, I've had this happen to me recently where the, the doctor said, well, I'm, I'm retiring in seven years, so let's do a seven-year lease. And it's like, what are you thinking? Are are you going to sell the practice? Well, yes. Well, wouldn't you like the buyer to have some uh, a place to operate their business? It's like, well, yeah, that might be a good idea. So uh, the point is, if you can estimate when you're planning to retire, it would be good to run the lease to that distance and then get an option for additional years. And that is only to your benefit. And if you get uh, the option, and, and you should really work hard to get that, um, it's best if it's a fixed rate so that you can predict what the expenses will be. And what's beautiful about an option is it is a, a one-way street, and landlords don't like to do options, but they do them all the time anyway because it's common, and they want to have you as a tenant. And most tenants demand it because from your point of view, you can't be putting all this time and trouble into a business and then it only lasts a certain length of time. You know, you have to have a, a long enough time to make all your investment uh, worthwhile. So um, you do want to get an option and you do want to get it at a fixed rate. Uh, many landlords will want to make the option at a market rate. And that's not the worst thing in the world because you could easily have an appraisal done or, or just market study and see what similar spaces are going for. So you should be able to, in a fairly friendly way, determine what a market rate is at that time. Uh, but of course, it's to your advantage if you've got a fixed rate built in and it's lower than market, well, good for you. You just you can exercise the option and stay. And if your rent is higher than the market, then you can go back to the landlord and say, well, this is no good. I'm not going to stay at these rates. If you want to do something at market rate, then I'll stay. And so it, it, it is a unilateral thing and uh, it's to your advantage if you get uh, an option. Uh, and I, there's another way to do this also. And that would be, and you could do both. You could get in built into your lease what we call a lease termination clause or a kickout clause We is the lingo we use. And that would be under certain circumstances uh, and time frames, like say you have a five-year lease and you're not sure when you retire or whatever, you might say uh, after three years, uh, and give the landlord six months notice or something like that, you can terminate the lease. And there is likely a termination penalty, but it's a whole lot less than the remaining lease term. Sometimes it's based on the amount of um, money the landlord had to contribute to the deal to get you in there based on perhaps um, leasing fees and legal fees, or especially build-out dollars. If the landlord put a lot of money into your space to to get it the way you wanted it. So the kickout clause would be the other thing, and they can get pretty sophisticated. 
um, and you can tie a lot of red tape to it. So the landlord's a little more comfortable. Um, and we use the same type of clauses based on business uh, growth or business uh, diminishment and, uh, you know, different levels and, and things. But anyway, that would be a clause that you would also want to uh, consider that would help you uh, plan for your retirement more. And then the other uh, third thing that's very important is your assignment clause. You're going to want to assign your lease to the new buyer. And most landlords um, have a very, uh, I think, artificially strict assignment clause where sometimes it's at their sole discrepancy, they can decide whether you're gonna, they're going to let you assign the lease or not. And there, there are reasons the landlord wants some control over assignments because they don't want a poor operator going in there doing a poor job. They certainly don't want a change of use. Um, uh, so the, I can see some reasons for that. Although one of the reasons is uh, what if the rent you're paying is now below market and they could get more rent from someone else? So they want that profit uh, and they want to get higher higher rent. So that's really one of the biggest reasons that they uh, can make it tough for you to assign the lease. And then recently, I had never seen this in my career, but I've seen it commonly lately. I'm still shocked about it. And, and hopefully it's just, uh, uh, hopefully it's not common. It just happened to be coincidental. But I've seen assignment clauses that say, if you even request an assignment, the landlord can cancel your lease. It's like, what are you, yeah, what are you talking about? You know, and so in both times we got that waived, but if you hadn't been paying attention to the boilerplate of this lease is where this is all found, um, it, it could be really bad. It'll, that'll cut your legs out from under you. And what happens to the value of your business then? So you, you want a liberal assignment clause that covers that, you know, if you assign the lease to a business owner that has as much experience or creditworthiness or, you know, qualifies in certain ways that they will allow you to assign it uh, to that person. And then there may be other legal things that you want to talk to your attorney about, and that would be your legal entity. And of course, that's covered in the in a, a strict uh, landlord assignment too. But sometimes uh, the lease could stay in place, but the actual ownership of the stock of that company could transfer or in an LLC, maybe the the uh, membership interests. So the uh, the landlord, it may be practically none of their business. It's still the XYZ LLC operating. It's just new people that, that own it. But but anyway, that's something you'd want to talk to your attorney about and, and negotiate a much more liberal assignment clause than is found in most leases. That's some great information. I wish I had it many years ago <laughs> when I before I signed a lot of the leases. Me too. I've been <laughs> one, yeah. one thing I got stuck in one time is a five-year lease. We were losing money. And at the three-year point, um, we had several stores at this point, but we decided to close that location because we figured that we would actually lose more in the time being open right. than even if we right. had to pay out the lease. But, of course, we didn't want to pay out the remaining two full years. So right. I ended up going back and negotiating with the landlord. But I was right. just wondering if you have any advice on what to do in that situation. Well, yeah, actually, um, I, I have enormous advice on that. The first thing is you got to communicate with the landlord. And, you know, we'll, we'll go to the landlord and say, look, you know, no fault of ours uh, or yours, but the business model isn't working in this location. So we know we owe you the money. Uh, and of course, the, you got multiple locations and and higher creditworthiness and assets. So that, that changes things. Uh, many times it's the only business in this location. And I don't know if you had separate LLCs for each one or not, which would have been good. And I don't know if you guaranteed the no. lease personally on that one, uh, which yeah. you know would have been bad. <laughs> and so, so you made it harder for yourself in a few different ways that you didn't necessarily have to. I, I would have recommended forming an LLC for each different location and then uh, doing a limited guarantee on those locations too. But it, anyway, communicating with the landlord is the best thing. And maybe, you know, you working together to find another um, tenant for the space. I know there are some states where um, the landlord is obligated to try to find a new tenant 
uh, for your space. And when they do, they have to apply uh, the new rent that they're getting to what you owe, uh, which is really pretty good. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. So what we used to, now this was in Florida, I'd go to the landlord in Florida and say, look, you know, you'll probably find a new tenant for this space easily within, you know, three or four months. So we'll give you six months of rent um, and terminate the lease. And this is this is like a bonus to you. You got six months of rent now. You're going to get more rent during that time from someone new. This is good news for you. You know, you'll you'll get extra money. And um, we were successful in doing that um, a few times. And but it's all about negotiating. Uh, if you were an only store, and and of course part of it is, does the landlord have anything to do with this? Did they fulfill all their promises or cause you any problems? You know, because then you could you know put some of the blame on them and say, look, in order to avoid a nasty lawsuit, can't we just come to an agreement and part ways? Or if it was your only um, store and you did personally guarantee it or you were on the hook, you know, what are your assets? A landlord does not want to spend time um, chasing you down if they're if you're non-collectible. So if you uh, just say, hey, I will have no choice. I will have to go bankrupt. They might they might want to negotiate with something with you. They really don't want to chase you down. And also, just so you're aware, I had a call uh, one time from a shopping center um, owner, and he was uh, upset. He went out with me, but we were just chatting. And um, he said, you know, that tenant that was, you know, down there, they just left in the middle of the night and, you know, left their keys on the on the table. And he said, I wish they had called me. I would have let them stay there for free while we find a new tenant. You know, if they'd have just let me know, but they just left. And the reason is, you know, shopping centers with empty spaces look really bad. Um, so, you know, just be right up front and say, look, I'd love to pay you. Nobody be happier than me to have a booming business and pay my rent, but it's not happening. So what would you like to do? And uh, and talk to your attorney about this also. And because I had this happen very recently where someone came to me with a, a similar situation. And he says, you know, the landlord really ought to work with us because we've always been right on time with our rent. We pay the full thing right on time. So we're a good tenant and they should work with us um, in terminating this lease and getting out because, you know, we're losing money. And I said, no, no, you landlord has his head in the sand right now. If he wants to, all he knows is he's getting his money. He thinks you'll get it from family, friends borrow it. Uh, maybe you're fibbing and you really just don't want to stay in the space. Um, if I was personally from a business standpoint and double check with your attorney, but if I could see darkness at the end of the tunnel and we're not making it, I wouldn't keep paying all the rent. I'd, I'd write, why wait until you run out of money and then talk to the landlord? I would start making partial payments or being late or whatever, I'd start sending a signal to the landlord that there's a problem here. And, you know, I, I heard one time long ago that, you know, if you owe the bank a little bit of money, you're in trouble. But if you owe the bank a lot of money, they're in trouble, you know? And so it, it almost gives you some leverage to say, yeah, look, I'm four months behind here. How about I pay you back two of them and you let me out of the lease. But if you know if you've paid all your money and now you're starting, how much do I owe you? It's a different story. Um, so I think that's all that's I have exactly, to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, I wish I had talked to you because you know I'm this on time and <laughs> I did exactly what you said not to do. So that's right. And it's human nature, and and part of it is we don't negotiate for ourselves very well. I know I don't. When I'm negotiating for you, then I'm doing it on a professional basis, and, and it's my goal to get you the best possible deal. When I'm negotiating for myself, I feel like a cheapskate arguing about money, you know? So, um, and, and it's, you know, you're, you're under the gun and maybe not thinking clearly when all these stresses and strains. And so it's good. It's, you know, I guess part of my job is therapy. I don't know, but, um, you know, we chat about it and, and to remind you that you're not the only one. This happens all the time. Businesses are failing all the time. Landlords has have, landlords have had plenty of businesses fail in their centers. And so let's just communicate about it. And most landlords are fine, smart, nice people. And, uh, you know, they can, we can work with them. Right. Some advice I got from another Astra member was to 
um, run the lease by another um, kind of a neutral party, a professional realtor, commercial realtor. So I did that, and it was really helpful. I went in thinking, I can't sign this. And when I came out, I felt much better about it because I had heard from him that these are good terms. There's nothing in here that raises any flags. Yes, yeah, that... you're talking about uh, any commercial uh, a realtor can help you in that way, and then there are specialists that are tenant reps. And what a lot of people don't realize is that um, when you go to find a new space and you look at a, a sign on a window of a vacant space and you talk to the nice person that picks up the phone or, or meets them down there, that is the landlord's representative. And as nice and as wonderful and as honest as they are, and they usually are, all three of those, I love them. But it's their job to work for the landlord and get the landlord the best deal. They they would be dishonest if they started giving you less of a deal than they were able to achieve for the landlord. So you're even though that person is really nice, they are not your friend, really. You know, you're on your own, and uh, you can go to an attorney, which is I, I recommend people do, and attorneys will review the legal aspect of your lease. But I think most attorneys will even say, look, I'm not telling you the business points. Uh, I'm not keeping up with the market. I don't know if this is normal in the market, if you're getting what you should get or not. So really, you should use a commercial broker or tenant rep. That's actually what I do all day, every day. Um, And, you know, the typical landlord pays a fee to um, uh, the uh, the leasing agent. and, And I share in that. So I don't even charge my clients money typically unless they just want straight advice uh and then i can do that too whatever but uh yeah you you all are talking about instances where you were doing this by yourself and um i don't know i don't i don't think you're probably drawing up all your own legal documents yourself or you're not doing operations on yourself and (laughs) and people for some reason and now i and and don't feel bad about it because i have some of the some of my clients are the smartest people around. And when it comes to commercial real estate leasing, they don't know. And uh, they ask me the most simplest questions. And But that's not their specialty. They don't do it all the time. So if you don't know the difference right off the top of your head between a gross lease and a net lease and a full service lease and tenant improvement and blah, 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 you know, you're you're leaving yourself exposed for, for no reason. You know, you can get plenty of free advice or very inexpensive advice from someone who, who does this all the time. But anyway, I, I didn't mean this to be advertisement. What, uh, well, what's the next question? And as a little business owner, I think a lot of times we are pretty used to the, I can figure this out myself kind of thing. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, one time I had to sign a 40 page lease and, let me tell you, that was extremely <laughs> intimidating, and we bit the bullet and went to attorney, but I was wondering if you had any other suggestions yeah. when you... This probably happens 10,000 times a day when you think about the whole size of the country and all the different office and retail spaces and, and people doing it themselves, and they th- everything's fine until they get this 40-page lease, and then it's like, oh, I don't even... I, can, I, I don't know if I can physically read this without getting a migraine and I won't know what it means anyway. What do I do? And we do recommend people bring it to uh, an attorney. uh, But first we look at it and we negotiate all the deal points so that you're not spending thousands of dollars and weeks of time with the attorney. It's nice when the deal points are hammered out. And the final thing is to bring it to the attorney and say, okay, we've done the deal points. Is there anything in here I should be uh, worried about? And then the attorney can go through it with a super fine tooth comb and go, well, you know, it says if this, then that. But what if you don't do that? Then what happens? What's the penalty and blah, blah, blah. So they typically can can add some things in there that uh, that could be important. But, yeah, you, you should get um, expertise first. And and I can tell you um, that we've run into leases or situations where the landlord will say, well, this is our standard lease. No changes. Everyone signs this lease. So here you go. And that's a lot. They may say that, but I've never experienced it to be true. And in fact, I had a, 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 there was a group of doctors moving into the same brand new medical building. And and one of the four was my client. 
And uh, they were all told, this is the standard lease. You can't make any changes. Well, the three doctors did it all by themselves and signed the lease as is. And then when they were at the cocktail party, uh, you know, months later, chatting about, you know, this space and the leases and this and that and discovered that my client, we had made a dozen changes to this non-changeable lease. You know, it's like, what? So they, they felt pretty bad about that, I guess. But and the point would be uh, a landlord can say, look, this is our standard lease. We don't make changes. All right, fine. I hear you. Let me ask you a question. Paragraph 32 about the blah, blah, blah. If such and such was to happen, then do you mean, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen or, or how does that handled? Well, it'd be blah, blah, blah. Well, it doesn't say that, you know, and, or we could construe it to this or that or whatever. Wouldn't it be better to be clear on this issue? Or, or one uh, amazing thing that I see, and I hope I'm not going off topic here, but there's, um, let's say your building was uh, damaged by fire and you can't operate. How long does the landlord have to decide to rebuild and rebuild uh, before you have an opportunity to cancel the lease and go elsewhere? Because the point is that they might have literally an unlimited amount of time to finish out the space. And when they do, you have to come back for the remaining term of your lease. So now you can't rent space elsewhere. Um, in that time, because now you're going to end up with two stores uh, that maybe you didn't want to handle. So that would be a, a, a typical one of many clauses that need to be changed. And, and I, I brought it up because that's one of the ones where I'll go to the landlord and I'll give them that scenario. I'll go, that doesn't seem right, that you could take as much time as you want to tell us and then as much time as you want to do the work. You know, shouldn't there be a limit on that? Well, yeah, we could do this. So without much effort at all, that unchangeable lease becomes changed. And and also just to be extremely clear, I have never run into a lease that um a landlord lease that had all the clauses in it that you want in there. And I've never run across one that didn't have something in there that you needed to have changed. You know, just to be safe. Now some things if in a perfect world you know, in one day and out five years later or 10 years later, whatever, everything went fine. And some of these things may not matter, but some of them might. And it would be good to be protected for the ifs and whats of, you know, all the different things that can happen. Great points. Uh, they are great points. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I was visiting with a, a toy store owner friend uh, recently whose lease is coming due pretty soon and she doesn't have any intention of moving but she was wondering what kind of homework she should do um, in order to get the best deal. She's noticed a lot of vacancies in her area and um, Yes, you know, okay She wants, it's a, she wants to it's have a, a little power there. Right, right. Well, it's a great and an easy question and it or an easy answer and it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago um, what she needs to do is get someone on her side. You know, you're not going to go in a, to a loss in a lawsuit and not have your own attorney representing you. And this this could be even more serious than that. You're talking about real money with real terms and conditions. Um, she needs to get a um, a commercial broker working for her, and the broker could either charge her. Uh, some money uh, for his time, his or her time. Or if uh, I do renewals all the time and I get the landlord to pay me a commission. Now it's a reduced commission than if the tenant was brand new, but they they still pay me. Um, so either, either way, it's um, they just need someone to help them out. And here's the magic. I had a, a client, um, I don't know, last year, I guess, and renewal came up. The landlord was hammering them, absolutely hammering them, because there was almost no time left on the existing lease. And the landlord knew that you don't, you can't move. You know, you don't have time to move. It's too much hassle. Um, you're basically going to have to take whatever we offer you. And they were already paying above market. And the landlord even more wanted even more money because that's that's what landlords do, right, rightfully so. You know, they're owning the real estate not for the fun of it, but for the money. So they were in a real quandary. And this is a friend of mine that um, it wasn't a client at the time. I think he even forgot what I did for a living. 
uh, he was in a, in a distant state. So just the mere fact of me getting involved and calling the landlord and saying, hey, you know, Craig Melby here, I'm representing such and such company. They asked me to step in and check the market, see what we're doing. So um, uh, I'll get back to you in a week or so, but I got to check the market and see what spaces are going for and this and that. And that that changes everything right there when they know you have a professional that is checking the market. And that might include, you know, there's asking rents and then there's taking rents. Sometimes, I'll, you know, you call the uh, the other landlord and say, I see you're asking, you know, X, Y, Z a foot. You know, how flexible is that? Well, you know, we could do a lot less and, and they'll, they'll tell, you know, maybe honor among thieves or something. But a lot of times they'll tell us brokers what the real deal is, you know. And so pretty quickly, you know what what's going on out there. And it, I mean, that she just absolutely needs to do that. And And the way this story ended finally was, you know, I've been in the business a long time. So is the landlord. We speak the same language. And I said, look, you know, you know, we can agree with you. It will be a real pain in the rear end to move. Uh, we'll maybe even have to work out of our house. This is office space, office use. Um, we'll have to have to work out of the house for a while, but we can and we will uh, because someday this business is going to be for sale and this extra rent that we're paying is going to affect the value of the business in a huge way. So just so you're aware, um, we think your rent is way high and here's what we'd be willing to pay. And if not, you know, I agree, it's going to be a pain, but we can and we will and we are going to move. Well, we got there instead of the rent going up quite a bit, it went down quite a bit. And then we got a bunch of incentives too. Hey, that air conditioner is making a lot of noise and it's about eight years old. We want a new one, you know, and this and that other thing. So you just need you just need some professional help and it's out there and it's easy to find. So so that's my answer. I hope I didn't go on too long about it. I'm curious, have you ever uh told a client the best thing to do would be to walk away on a lease? Well, yeah, um it's not it doesn't happen too often really, but but definitely there are times when um you just can't do that deal. Um I had one yesterday where the guy was going to put in a ton of money into the space and the landlord said, you know, someday we might just knock that building down and uh, put up a parking garage or, you know, expand a big anchor tenant. So we'll have to have a lease termination clause in there. And it's like, well, we can't go there. That's a deal killer. We can't put a pile of money into the space, try to build up a business. And then one day you go, okay, it's over, you know, six months from now, you know, you got to be someplace else. So there are times that are just deal killers or when the, or all the time, really, sometimes the terms don't work. You know, maybe the space is worth more money, but not to our business model. We can only afford X dollars. You don't want to go through all this time and trouble just to lose money or to break even, you know, it's really needs to, to work. Well. So there, there are times when you just have to walk away from the deal, you know, the best, the best deal is the one you didn't do. Um, cause you know, you'll, you can always talk to people who will regret the deals they're in. They wish they could hit the do over button and do something else. So yeah, that definitely happens. Great. What about like, uh, someone approaching, you know, who has a new store? Um, do you have any recommendations on, uh, obviously they need to do their homework and such, but what else would you tell them? that they need to do when they're approaching possible places to lease. Okay. So you're talking maybe a brand new retailer uh, going right. into business for the first time, looking at spaces. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I think they're crazy to do it themselves. My, uh, my, myself, I, I really do, but I'll, I'll tell you how you could do it yourself. But you see, the problem is there are properties out there, are spaces out there that are off the market. So if you just drive the streets and look for retail stores with signs in the window, you're not seeing everything. So when you call on those spaces yourself, now you're dealing with the landlord again. And unless you're some sort of major wizard, you're not going to negotiate as good as you would otherwise be able to. But so anyway, if you're going to do it yourself for whatever reason, the, the way I do it is to look at a bunch of spaces get all the information you can about all of them. And when you approach the landlord, you know, let them know that you're looking at some spaces, even if there's one that you like way better than the rest, 
you know, it's kind of like doing your taxes. You know, you got to pay what you owe, but you're allowed to arrange things so you owe as little as possible. So there's no law that says you have to tell the landlord everything you're thinking. So what I say is like, we like this space and it could be at the top of our list under the right terms. And here's what we'd like to do. Or, you know, what kind of offer can you make? Or or sometimes I ask, what's the last three deals you did? You know, the people that just went in here, because m- most of them, if you ask them a point blank question, I don't think they're going to lie. You know, that would be that would be very unusual. So uh, they may not say everything is, again, they don't they don't have to put themselves in the worst position either. So they may talk to you about the free rent they had to give or the other incentives or whatever. But it's basically just comes down to research. And also, if you're doing this yourself, you know, I've seen clients that just what seems common sense isn't necessarily so common. And you really care about things like exposure, you know, to traffic, you know, the signage and pedestrian traffic is even better. And then ingress and egress, it's got to be easy to get in and out and to come to the store. And there's just so many things. And then demographics, you know, it's always nice to, and, and you could use this for negotiating too, if you needed to, but you could pull, have someone pull the demographics on a few different locations you're looking at and look in real, look like a, a drive times or radiuses or both, you know, what kind of population density do you have within uh, your trade area, whether it's one mile, 15 mile, or a mix of, of those. And, and you can even get detailed. There is reports now that'll tell you about the, you know, the age group, that you're looking for the income levels, even even numbers like how many toys are being bought in that market right now and how many places are supplying toys and is there a gap? I mean, we actually call it a gap analysis where there's a number there and it'll tell you, whoa, you know, we, we got an oversupply in this market or we got an undersupply. And it's amazing how they extrapolate all this information from sales taxes on products and reporting and, uh, you know, SIC codes and you know, it's all magic to me, but but it's all there and it's it's interesting to compare. And and also, you know, you you don't want to go into a cheaper location just for the rent if it, if you're really not going to be successful there. And I and unfortunately, I've just seen that time and again. It's like, well, we can't go to that great location. We can't afford the rent. Oh, so you go into a bad location where your business fails. You know, uh, it, why do it at all? You know, it's everything's got to be right or don't do it at all. Right. So looking at all this, I mean, what kind of prep time do you have to give yourself? I, I agree totally that you need help because I've done it too many times myself. Yeah, right. And been in trouble. So, you know, it's hurt me. And I definitely wouldn't do it again without help. But um, But what kind of prep time do you need? to give yourself to plan ahead? Well, um, for new and existing stores. Yeah, you all are asking such great questions that um, uh, it really feels good to to know that the type of stuff I've been preaching on is still exactly what people need to hear about, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, most people, most companies don't give themselves enough time. That's actually the number one mistake that tenants make when they're looking for a commercial space. Uh, You have to realize that uh, if the space isn't exactly the way you want it, then you're going to have to have uh, construction done. And to get construction, you need permits. And to get permits, you need plans. All those things can take months. Uh, So they add up. And then many landlords can't sign that lease right away. They got to send it uh, up to some committee goes to attorneys, goes back and forth. People aren't in town. People got other priorities. We see lease negotiations all the time that last for months. Now, sometimes they'll sign it next week if it's a local landlord and it's his money. But a lot of times it's a big owner that, you know, that little space that you want is hardly a blip on their radar screen. And uh, this offer will go from the leasing agent up to some ivory tower. And once a week or once every two weeks, the leasing committee meets and they go over all the leases that are brought to them. And there may be 50 or 60 of them. And yours is just one little thing. And, uh, and then if there's questions up, gets kicked back. Now you got to answer more questions. It's another couple of weeks. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. So to answer your question, six months is good. Uh, sometimes if it's a bigger, more complicated deal, nine months and, uh, or, or, or longer, 
Um, and the landlords don't mind that. Sometimes there'll be a space coming up for um, lease and they would handle that space differently if they knew they had someone that wanted it. So um, I, I like, uh, you know, of course, if it's too far in advance, then the landlord doesn't want to wait that long for you. So um, it just, just depends if it's a wide open retail space, second generation, so to speak, someone's already been there and it's already got the bathrooms and HVAC and, you know, and everything, then it can be done quicker, but still uh, a good solid two months, uh, I would think. It depends on circumstances, but I say it, it, it could easily be longer than that. Good advice. It is. is that for new or if you're re- renegotiating? If you're already well, in the space and you want to stay there, how soon do you? Oh, that's a really good question. Because if you leave yourself to the end too far, then the landlord knows you have no you have no leverage anymore, and the landlord knows you're going to stay. Uh huh. You, I do it a year out. Uh, if if my lease, uh, if my client's lease expires one year from today, that's when we call the landlord and say, Hey, we see we're expiring in a year. Uh, we're beginning to decide what we want to do, you know, whether we need a little more space, a little less space, you know, demographics exchange, maybe something closer to our customers or where we live or blah, 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 you know. Uh, and so we needed to talk to you early because, you know, in case we move, we need time to do that. Well, that that, that sends chills up their spine. <laughs> the fact that we're thinking we might not stay. They didn't realize that. Now, we might 99% want to stay. But we don't have we're not obligated to say that to them. You know, when I talk to them, I go staying is is one option, you know, and uh, moving is another building our own building. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of figuring out what we want to do and we don't know what uh, what you're going to do. And that'll affect what we're going to do. So, you know, a year from now, what kind of rent are you thinking about and and incentives, you know, um, uh, just for the asking. Uh, do you need some new paint? Do you need some new carpet? Do you need some other upgrades? Um, in order to get you to stay, the land now's the time. And if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. But we get stuff all the time uh, for staying, all the time. And so, especially if it's way in advance, and uh, and a year is probably plenty fine. Six months now, you're getting to the edge where they're thinking you can't leave. You know, it takes too much time. You're just you're just playing. You know, you're, you're pretending here. But if it's nine months out, they are taking you seriously. Hmm. We just got all new LED lights in exchange for extending our lease five years. Yeah, good. But we still had two years left on it. And we thought, oh, my gosh, they're making us decide our exit strategy immediately. <laughs> And wondered why the pressure. Well, it turns out the landlord has an incentive that they choose somebody they want to use, you know, give it to every year. And they chose us this year. Once we knew that, it made sense, you know, because if we said no, they'd want to give it to somebody else. But um, well, I so. still, uh, it's still not making sense to me. I've never heard of this before, and I've been doing this thirty, forty years. So what you're saying is you had two years left in your lease. And they said, hey, if you extend your lease, we'll give you new LED lighting. Right. Oh, so so then you signed your extension then? So uh, you were now there for another seven years, or did you just do a new five-year at that point? No, we're here for seven, okay. um, unless we sell it and retire. And th- and that's all they did was uh, LED lighting? Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. I, I mean, uh, it possibly you could have gotten more. Uh, if, uh, you, there are many, many other terms that I would have wanted to talk about. Do you pay for the electricity? So you, you're paying for the yes, uh-huh. energy used? Okay, at least that makes sense. And the cost of LED bulbs has come way, way down, and they might buy them by the massive case. And I, I recommend everybody use LEDs. But so I, I don't, from their point of view, may, you know, when the economy is bad, uh, and I've been around long enough that I've seen in landlord markets and tenant markets time and time again, you know, flip-flopping, having you, you're obviously a good tenant that they wanted to keep, good synergy, good draw, and all that stuff. So uh, they might have used the LED bulbs just as a as a hook to get you to extend now because somebody's, somebody's a hero for getting you to extend early. And now, and, and it helps for financing. It helps for selling the property. 
uh, when they tell a buyer that they got a that there's a seven year lease here instead of a two year lease, uh, that's good. So there's lots of reasons um, that that you may never be aware of that motivated the landlord to do that. But as long as you're happy and they're happy and everybody's happy, then you know, and that's fine. But that that's that's interesting. I've never run across that one. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. The electricians yeah. kept saying, somebody sure likes you. <laughs> well, they they like you, but they probably like the extended lease term yeah. for some reason. How long ago did this happen? Uh, just just within the last month. I mean, ah. within the last okay. couple of months. Well, we'll see if in the relative soon, the building doesn't sell or get refinanced. And then you're going to say, aha, that's why. Um, I have a question. One time, um, a tenant next to me had uh, just moved into their space and they found out their air conditioning went bad, like within a month or two. It was ridiculous. Right. But under the lease, they were obligated to pay for a brand new air conditioning, which was ridiculously expensive. Um, Just wondering what you might do in that situation. Yeah, well, we run across this all the time. They made a few mistakes. Uh, one, uh, many, many leases say, uh, okay, you tenant hereby acknowledge that you've examined the premises, found them there to your satisfaction, and you're taking them as is. We never want to sign that. You know, what about, did you, did you have these things inspected? What about hidden defects that even the landlord doesn't know about? You know, or or changes in zoning or building or fire codes that now, even though the space was previously used, it's no longer up to code. Are you going to pay for that as the tenant? There's all kinds of stuff. And then especially in the southern states, and maybe it's the same for heat in the northern states, an old heater or air conditioner, um, they should have negotiated that away. It's like, okay, fine, I'll do the maintenance of it up to X dollars per year. But if it needs replacement, the landlord has to do that. Or we have a lot of times where, okay, the landlord is guaranteeing that the units are in good operating condition and will guarantee them for a year, you know, or 12 months from lease uh, commencement or something. But there's many, many ways to handle that. And um, they just didn't think of it. Uh, And uh, probably uh, it was one of those, if they had asked it, they'd have gotten it. Uh, we get it all the time, and so that that's too bad they didn't think about it and they suffered the consequences. So the key takeaway is you got to do this in your lease before you sign the lease. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. The le- yeah. it's a serious thing, and then prior to when you're negotiating the deal is when the landlord wants to have you and will give you stuff after it's signed. Um, there's no reason. And I mean, some of them, even if it's a really wonderful hearted person managing the center or the leasing agent, whatever, you know, they can't say, oh yeah, you don't, we don't have to do this, but I'll pay that $5,000 bill. You think they're going to be there long when their boss hears about that? Somebody, somebody up in the uh, chain of command is going to say, no, 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 we do what we have to do. We're not giving away money here. So a deal's a deal. It broke. You pay for it. And of course, what's even uh, stranger too, what about if you're in the you're four and a half years or maybe four years and nine months into a five-year lease, then it breaks and you got to pay to replace it. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that's no fun either. Now you're putting in a new HVAC for the next person. So um, right. uh, all, all those things happen, and uh, they just need to be uh, addressed. You know, you, you just you, you, nobody can be expert on everything. I even thought many years ago that I could be, but uh, the older I get, the more I realize I need experts uh, in in so many different areas to keep me from making mistakes, and that they just made a bad mistake is all. Mm-hmm. When we did our original lease in this space, my husband wanted something in there saying that the um, heat, heating system was working or, you know, yeah. in good working condition. And um, when it went out on a sub-freezing day, we went back to that lease and pointed it out and they replaced it. Right. Wow. Exactly. 
Exactly. Or he would fix the air conditioning of the tenant next door who'd been there for 28 years. So he moved. Because it wasn't in the lease. Right. Right. Yeah. They have to do what they have to do. And they know it's a losing battle. If you have a legal document that says they're going to do something, they have to do it. You know, either that or they'll be paying uh, legal fees, you know, your legal fees when you sue them, uh, likely. So um, that you've given uh, our listeners the best example of all. You just got to You got to have it in there. Hmm. Yeah. Give me some harder questions. You guys are, uh, uh, my listeners are going to think that I paid you to ask <laughs> these questions. <laughs> all this softball stuff. <laughs> um, I have a question. So I'm, you know, my leases are in the middle of the lease, but, and, and I have a great landlord. He's invested in the community and he feels that our store is a very strong contributor to the community and he's a great guy, but I worry more about the succession, what happens after him. So I'm just wondering, can you go back in the middle of a lease and renegotiate? Start, yes. You know? yes, you can. I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. And, and to think about his succession planning and who's going to take over is very important. We, we see examples all the time where the past landlord would not have done this. But the new landlord, it's total different deal, and they're not your friend. They can can only go by what the documents say and what brings in the most cash flow. And uh, it may not be his building; it might be his boss's building. And how long does he want to keep his job, etc.? So you do need to think yeah. about that. And uh, I had actually was saving this maybe for the end in case there was um, some important aspect that didn't come up. But and that is it. You can negotiate, and it's a mutual negotiation. But mm -hmm. at any time, you could go to your landlord and say, you know, can we can we extend our lease? Can we change things and this and that? And so you can, you know, you can renegotiate and do a new lease at any time. And it's amazing the people that don't know that. They think, oh, I'm stuck here for five years. I'm blah, blah, blah. I just have to wait. Well, if you need more space, less space, if you want to relocate, if something is changing in your world, you go to the landlord and you say, hey, these things have changed. Can we redo our lease? What, how could it be to your advantage, Mr. Landlord, to make some changes? And uh, it's totally open, and many times it gets done. And it could be to the landlord's advantage, like we've already heard earlier today. Of extending the lease, making it even longer is a great thing, uh, and getting some good options and maybe changing some of these clauses that we spoke about and getting you off the personal guarantee, all kinds of stuff can be done. Um, and the market, you know, uh, landlords that have been around a while, they, they maybe start getting nervous about, and of course, right now the economy is booming, but it might not be tomorrow. And they'd like to have a tenant that knows what they're, that's going to be there a while uh, locked in uh, during the bad times too. Um, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, the, the point is there's nothing to prevent you from asking a landlord to redo a lease at any time. And, and in fact, a lot of times you don't even have to do a new lease. It'll be a, just a lease uh, amendment. Uh, and it's a simple document that um, may be one page, literally. Um, okay. And, and the, the staple it to the lease. Now, um, one of our colleagues in San Diego said that she's worked with landlords who would not allow her to use a lease negotiator. <laughs> Huh. Uh, you know, they don't want you to, but if they want you, I mean, they're scared to death. The lease negotiators would be why. And if they can convince you, and in fact, that's one of the things the landlords do like to do. I just don't run across it myself because normally I'm already representing a client and the landlords treat me like gold. You know, they, they roll out the red carpet for me because I'm bringing them a tenant, you know, so, but if they can get to you first and convince you that you don't need to use a broker and Many times I'll tell you, and uh, if you do use a broker, then I'm going to have to charge you more because I got to pay them the commission. Oh, well, you know, I don't want that. I've never seen it happen. I, we always save our clients more than they would have paid. We just can see it in the terms and, and how it all plays out. So you don't want to fall for that. I've never seen it in actuality where a landlord will say, oh, sorry, can't lease to you because you've got a broker working with you. Never, never heard of it ever. Um, huh. And, and how two landlords would not have proceeded if she'd used a 
negotiator. Well, I, I, that, that's shocking to me. I, I, what city is that in? What kind of property is it? San Diego, and I believe she's in malls. Okay. Well, uh, malls can be different. They're a whole world unto themselves. And if there was ever going to be a time that that's true, it would be in San Diego in a booming economy in a mall. So, so that could happen. But here's the other thing, too. This tenant may want to get their own. It's, it's like saying, you can't hire an attorney to look at this legal document I'm giving you. Hmm. Like, what do you mean I can't? I can do, of course I can't. So they would need to get a broker and pay them directly then, you know, and it might not cost much money. You know, the commissions are reasonably high uh, for brokers because we don't get paid anything on the deals that never happen. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've done all the work and then the deal falls apart and I get nothing. So, but if if you've got a lease and you're going to do it, if, if you're paying me up front, whether you're going to complete the deal or not, well, I can do that a lot less. So it would have been money well spent to have someone uh, look over the lease and sometimes negotiate um, from afar. You know, like I don't need to talk to the landlord. I can tell you what to say to the landlord and and, I, and give you advice. Or I can call the landlord and say, hey, landlord, you know, they asked me to, to uh, clarify some things here and you don't have to pay me. I'm not asking for a commission. Don't worry about that. You know, so that that type of thing. And um, uh-huh. but they. They can and should do that, or otherwise, they're. I just think they're going to lose a whole lot, a uh, whole lot more money uh, by trying to do it themselves. I see a lot of retail stores that were maybe intended to be office storefronts or something, or somebody's all paranoid about the sunlight coming in. But if you've tinted your windows dark and people passing by can't even tell if you're open or what you're selling or whatever. You need to replace the windows or, or take if you can either take the tint off or if the windows are tinted, you know, it's probably well worth your time to have a glazier come in and put in new windows that are clear. Mm-hmm. And it may cost mm-hmm. a little more in utility bills, but you're going to make a whole lot more in sales. Uh, and I've seen that happen. And then also a natural light. If you go into I think Walmart was the first one to experiment with it, but they put in skylights, you know, daylighting. And the studies seem to show that in the sections of the store with natural daylight coming in, people spent more time there and they bought more stuff. So, you know, the the facility itself, you want to pay some attention to also in maybe choosing one over the other or, you know, the one you've chosen, you know, the way you build it out is obviously very important. That's a good point. There's a new popcorn store across the parking lot from us and they've they've added tinting to the windows because of the sun coming in because they face south. Yeah. But except for their open sign, you can never tell if they're open. Right. Yeah, they're crazy. They they need for the sun, they need to put on some external or maybe internal blinds that you can roll up and roll down. But at night, you uh-huh. want people to see in there really good and other times of the day and in times of the year. And and if you are facing south, you should be able to put in an overhang of the right dimension that will allow the winter sun to come in and warm up the place. You want that, but prevent the summer sun from coming in and overheating it. So I I would look into that um, and I would change that for sure. There's also one other thing I wanted to mention, and then I'll I'll be done with my my pet peeves. uh, And that is um, when you rent first generation space, uh, you're at risk to, especially what I'm thinking about is the mixed use projects where it's um, retail, office, residential, you know, everything all combined, which I love, by the way. I I love visiting them. I love living in them. They're great. But when they're brand new, the developer needs some retailers in there as an amenity. It helps him sell all his units and fill everything else up. So they desperately need the coffee shop and the pub and this and that. Well, the problem is um, if they don't sell a bunch of their units really, really fast, there may not be enough population there to support that store. And I feel sorry for the store owner that is paying top dollar um, to be there with no customers. And so sometimes you'll, I'm sure you've seen it yourself, that that tenant fails. And then another tenant goes in and they might even fail because there's still not enough people until the project has matured 
And there are a lot of people there. Now we're talking about, you know, successful businesses. And so you don't want to be one of the earlier ones. That's a, that's a problem. And if you do, um, you know, I just tell the landlord, hey, you know, you're making me promises based on the amount of traffic we'll have here and how successful I'll be. So you could build a kickout clause into the deal, which would still be expensive. You don't want to build out a place just to leave if you if you fail. So that may not be the best solution. But your rent could be based on a percentage of sales uh, or a percentage of sellout or you know, you, you need to tie what you have to pay into the success of the project. You need to realize that you're an amenity. And even that is scary because if you're paying no rent, but you're having to pay utilities and employees and managers and stock a place, uh, it's still not going to be profitable. But but you don't rent a place based on a pretty picture and um, renderings and a facility and promises of how it's going to boom especially if the economy slows down, you could be there for years um, before you're making the type of money that you uh, expected to make. Boy, we could have used that advice when we first signed our, our first lease in our original place. It was a brand new building full of promise, indoor farmer's market, and apartments upstairs that part of them were through the housing authority. Well, the farmer's market didn't make it, so that went away. The housing authority decided that nobody could smoke inside the apartment, so they all smoked outside the toy store. Oh, jeez. Huh. So we ended up wow. uh, leaving when our lease was up. Right. See, that, and that that's such a disaster. And uh, those are the type of clauses that, that I mentioned earlier. Maybe it'll never matter, but maybe it will matter a lot. And uh, you could have a kickout clause in there based on the promises the landlord has made. If all these things occur, hey, we're going to be here. But if they don't occur, we have a right to cancel this lease early. And that's bad enough. You're still losing a lot of money, um, but at least you're, it's not terrible, terrible. And uh, if you go into a, an anchored shopping center, I think you have every right to have a kickout clause that says, uh, if the anchor tenant leaves, then we can leave too, because you're there for that anchor. And um you know, you can get that many times just by asking. And again, it depends on who you are, because a toy store can be a really great, you, you attract a nice demographic. Um, you're fun. Uh, you're a, a real synergistic asset to a shopping area. So um, you should get incentives like that and be able to negotiate some fairly tough terms. And then especially if you've got multiple stores, and you've been in business a long time and they know you're going to make it. And by the way, the, the biggest single fear a landlord has is that you're not going to make it. You're not going to pay the rent. Uh, but if, if, if you can prove to them that you, there's, it's very likely you're going to be successful, then um, they, should, they should roll out the red carpet for you and uh, give you a lot of incentives. Um, Mary mentioned uh, the cigarette smoking in front of her face. and. One of my spaces, there was a print shop below, and we, it never had occurred to us the kind of chemical smells you get oh, in yeah. the pot. So, I mean, oh, I my question is really more about what about these really crazy unforeseen things like scents and stuff? Um, most leases that I ha uh, see, they have a set of rules and restrictions against obnoxious sounds, smells, vibration, things like that. Well, in my case, the landlord owned the print shop below ours. Were they uh, there before you rented the space? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. you should have known better, I guess. And it uh, it is also good to go to a space, you know, morning, afternoon, evening, weekend, weekday, see the traffic right. patterns, you know, that yeah. type of thing and make sure because, uh, uh, you know, a lot can change. I sure wish I'd heard all this before. <laughs> well, we're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try to let all the other uh, Astra members hear it, and uh, there'll be a whole lot less mistakes made, huh? That would be great. I, I, I mean, I personally feel like this is kind of a make-or-break moment. I mean, if you're going to splurge a little, spend a little money getting the right people to help you on the lease, and this is coming from someone who signed six leases and made a bunch of mistakes. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely 
Yeah. Definitely good advice. So. Let me tell you one more story just to make sure that the nail is hammered in all the way. Um, a couple of doctors went to an attorney friend of mine and they were talking about, oh, yeah, we're just opening up a new uh, new medical space uh, right there across the street. And, uh, you know, you can do some documents for us, whatever. And the attorney says, oh, that's great. A nice building. Did you did you use a tenant rep or you had somebody look at the deal? Oh, no, no. We, we uh, met with the landlord. It's a it's a fine deal. Nice space. You know, we're pretty, pretty excited about it. And the attorney you know, said, well, you know, uh, I know you guys are real smart and, and it's a great space. I'm sure it is. But, you, you know, you really ought to have someone look at the deal just to make sure. So for whatever reason, he convinced them and they called me and they said, hey, you know, would you look at our deal? You know, our attorney says we we should have you look at it. Okay, fine. So I call the landlord and I say, hey, no fault of mine. I'm not chasing down, you know, your people or anything. But they came to me and they asked me if I would look at the deal and compare it to the market. So, you know, just hold off on the lease for now. Um, I got to, it'll take me a week or so. I got to see what all the spaces are going for and terms and this and that. And, you know, staying here, you know, renting this space is easily a possibility. You know, we, we, I'm not saying we're not going to rent here. I just, uh, you know, they asked me to do my job and I said, okay, fine. So um, wouldn't you know, within 48 hours, we get an email uh, from the landlord that says, hey, uh, you know, we sharpened our pencil. And we just figured out how we can save you uh, $50,000 over the term of the lease. So if you want to just go ahead and, you know, let's proceed right away. Here, here are the new terms and look right here. And they actually did the calculations in the email. You know, you'll save $50,000 over what, um, over the previous deal we were talking about. <laughs> so Wow. Whoa. That, that, yeah, that's what happens, you know, when you get an expert in someone on your side, you know, it's, you know, it's amazing. an amazing story, and it's true, and it's human nature. There's nothing to doubt about it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you, not using someone is is could cost you so much money. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's been a real pleasure talking to you both. I enjoy it, and your your questions make me feel good about the services uh, that I'm providing, and it's been a lot of fun. If you think of any questions for future sessions, uh, I'd love to do this again. Or you can email me and ask me, and I'll, I'll answer them for you right away. No reason to, to wait for one of these. But, um, Great. you know, I guess we've soaked up a, a lot of time here, which I'm happy to do. I know you've got things you got to do. So uh, I appreciate your time, and I hope I answered your questions uh, well enough. And uh, I guess uh, if you don't have any other questions, that'll do it for now. Okay. Well, well thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Yeah, this all has right. been great. All right. Well, this we'll talk to really you again. informative. Great. I'm really happy to hear that. We'll talk to you again sometime. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That's our show for today. Feel free to contact us at leasesmart.com. That's L-E-A-S-E-S-M-A-R-T.com. Thanks. We'll see you next week.